My Govanen, welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel, I'm the Tolkien Geek, and in today's Thursday Tolkien Thoughts video, I am going to be responding to my patron, P.A. Brew News. I recently responded to his uh, under other question in a longer format video, but this one he wanted a, a Thursday Thoughts video on the idea of demon possession or related topics in Tolkien, and he specifically asked about it because he had kind of an interesting daydream idea of one of the blue wizards who, having been corrupted himself, tries to use the now, you know, kind of wandering spirits of Sauron and Saruman to possess a king and queen of the East to try to reestablish a domain of evil and whatnot. And at first, I just really couldn't come up with a whole lot to say on this topic because... And I think it was because I was looking at it the wrong way, but after my video last week on the topic of the Druidine statues and the watchers of the Tower of Kirith Ungol, I, I kind of realized I could approach this a slightly different way. So, demon possession, as far as I can tell, is not a thing in Middle-earth, but there is something similar, which is what we might call ghost possession, I suppose. Because in Tolkien, the only thing that really count as demons would be things like the Balrogs and other evil Ainur who are siding with Morgoth in some way. And, you know, they can inhabit different forms and whatnot. But we never see them, you know, directly controlling other creatures or anything like that in, in a possession-type way. And so it's not really the kind of thing that we see in Middle-earth, which is interesting because Tolkien as a Catholic, of course, probably would have believed in uh, demon possession and exorcism, which P.A. Brew News points out. In fact, there's a really funny story about Tolkien where he gets introduced to a tape recorder for the first time. You have to remember, he was born in the 19, 19th century and tape recorders didn't exist for a long time until, you know, I don't remember exactly when they were invented, but relatively late in his own life. And when a friend of his pulled out this tape recorder and was like, hey, would you like to record something? Tolkien, good Catholic that he was, recited, I forget exactly what prayer, but he recited a prayer in in Latin into the recorder in order to exercise any demonic influence which might be in the thing. And of course, partially this was a joke because Tolkien was just not a fan of technology and kind of regarded almost all newfangled inventions with some suspicion, I think. Uh, but it, it's also, it shows, the joke shows that he took the idea generally seriously. He wouldn't. I don't think he would be joking about it in that way if he didn't actually think demon possession was a real and serious thing. So it's interesting that there's really no indication, at least that I can think of, of any actual demon possession in Middle-earth in any of his writings. But there are hints that what could happen is the spirit of a dead elf could you know, basically inhabit and possess the body of another, you know, one of the children of Eru. You know, I don't I don't know if it would work with elves 
and men equally, but in the laws and customs of the Eldar, which is a, a piece of writing in the Morgoth's Ring volume of the History of Middle-earth, it talks about what happens when an elf dies. Its spirit is separated from its body. The spirit is called to Mondos, where it's supposed to wait until it's either, you know, rehoused or born into, you know, uh, born as, reborn as a child. And Tolkien changed his mind over this over the years. His original conception was elves who die, you know, they wait in Mondos and then they're reborn as a child later on, preferably within their own kindred, but also he then came up with the idea that you could also just be, your body could just be reconstituted by the Valar who can see like the memory of that body within the elf spirit. And then eventually he kind of moves away from the idea of allowing people to be reborn as children because it poses a lot of metaphysical problems and all this other stuff. Well, the interesting thing is the spirits of the elves can resist the call of you know, the summons to Mondos. And so they can just be wandering spirits in Middle-earth. And usually this is a sign that that spirit is already tainted in some way, corrupted, something's wrong. And as a result, these things can, because by nature they are supposed to be, you know, with a body, they can seek out other bodies and try to co-opt them and, you know, try to inhabit them and, and dominate the you know, the the spirit that is actually naturally controlling that body. And so that it is a thing that can happen, theoretically, that a spirit of an elf, which has refused to go to Mondos, could just be wandering around and, much like the Christian conception of a demon, try to get into a body of a living human or elf and then try to basically subjugate the the spirit that naturally indwells that body. So this is a thing that can happen. And it's also, this idea is also the basis of something like the Barrow Whites. It's, it says that Sauron, you know, taught his, you know, his, his own minions to kind of do the same kinds of things. And this is where the necromancy idea comes from. This is why Sauron is called the necromancer. He is using the spirits of dead bodies and one of the things that we learn is that these spirits who refuse the summons to Mondos are really easily co-opted by Sauron or Morgoth because they are already refusing, you know, the Valar. And so they're not going to get any assistance from them and they're already kind of corrupted. So it's really easy for Sauron or Morgoth or whoever to kind of dominate them and use them for their own purposes. Well, if Sauron is teaching his people how to do necromancy and the Witch King, of course, is seemingly the one who kind of created the Barrowites, that's probably what those spirits are. They are very likely spirits of elves that just didn't ever go into the West, to Mondos. And that could be for a number of different reasons, but at the end of the day, that's kind of like demon possession. And you also have to wonder if the Watchers of Kirith Ungol are a similar thing to that. It's possible that this is a uh, an example of using those kinds of spirits for other purposes. Now, in the Barrowites and the Watchers are very different, so I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of really solid reason to think that these are the same kind of thing going on, but 
the watchers do certainly have at least an awareness and they have the ability to communicate in some way. We don't know exactly how this works, but whenever Frodo and Sam break out the last time, get out of Kirithungal, it utters a cry. Now, is it a purely mechanical cry? Like, is it sort of a mechanical invention? Is it a spirit crying out? Is it, I mean, it's not really clear. But it does imply that there is something there. And in my previous video, I theorized that it was actually a lot like Sauron's ring or Arda compared to Morgoth's ring, to, to Morgoth. This idea that maybe the Witch King or some other of the Nazgul just input their own power into these statues for the purpose of making them do what they do. And so in some way, they're kind of, in, you know, encompassing this part of the spirit of whoever might have done this. But it could also be that they are inhabited by just completely separate spirits who are just in service to Sauron or the Nazgul through necromancy. So that may be an example of something like demons possessing, or not demons, but a ghost, if you will, possessing an inanimate object. Now, we never encounter an example of the any kind of a ghost possession of an actual person in the story. And so one wonders if the this passage in the Laws and Customs is entirely speculative in terms of whether that might actually occur. And so again, we just have very little evidence to go on. But it is a an alternative way of explaining something like the Watchers. And it does, of course, refer to probably the Barrow Whites, which isn't so much possession because at that point, the bodies that those spirits are kind of animating, they're already dead. Their spirits are gone. It's kind of a different thing. But it's a really interesting idea that, you know, this could also explain some of the same types of phenomena. Now, it wouldn't explain the Druidine statues. That's, you know, the Druidine do their own thing with that. So, what can we take from this? Once again, it's one of those areas where Tolkien just doesn't give us a ton of information. If he had developed more of his stories over time, maybe we would have gotten concrete examples of this. And we certainly have no examples outside of Tom Bombadil of anything like an exorcism. So, you know, Bombadil banishes the Barrow Whites. And it's not clear exactly how that works. Like, does he, you know, expel the Barrow White spirits from the bodies they're inhabiting? Or, you know, what exactly is happening there? But that's the closest thing to an exorcism and it doesn't look anything like what, you know, a Catholic exorcism would look like, but it just looks very much like what Bombadil does all the time, which is he sings and things happen as a result. <laughs> so these ideas are certainly present within Tolkien's writings, but it's one of those things where he just kind of hints at some stuff and then never really does a whole lot with it. So again, it's like, you know, if he had lived another hundred years, maybe we would have got some really interesting stories out of that, but... Unfortunately, there's just very little in the way of concrete stuff on this topic, but it certainly is an interesting one, which could have lots of implications. Now, would Sauron and Saruman, would their spirits be able to do the same thing that, say, the the dead spirit, the spirits of dead elves would be able to do in terms of possessing another body? 
I'm not sure about that because there seems to also be a restriction placed on how that works because we learn also that while the Valar can read, in a sense, the spirit of an elf to get their memory of their own body, there is an extent to which the spirit of an elf or even a human can perfectly resist any attempt at any attempt at outside you know subjugation like melkor cannot through sheer power subjugate another spirit so it's not like sauron or saruman's spirit could just force this on something else it's not clear what the relation of an elf spirit to another elf spirit or a human spirit would be and it's not clear if this limitation is just in terms of preventing the Ainur from exerting power over lesser spirits, or if it's a more universal thing that applies to elves, men, and the Ainur. So, I don't know that Saruman and Sauron would be capable of doing the same type of thing, and they are not, by nature tied to a body in the way that elves and humans are. So they're not necessarily in that same position, which is why these, you know, as he calls them in the text, houseless spirits of elves seeking to be housed in another body. That's not what Sauron and Saruman are necessarily doing. So I don't know that his particular idea of them being used to kind of possess the bodies of monarchs in the East would actually work. And also, in terms of Sauron, I think his power is so diminished by the time the ring is destroyed that it probably wouldn't matter anyway. He could be rejected rather easily. <laughs> Saruman, Saruman, I think, kind of rendered himself very, very petty and therefore would not have much power either. So I don't know that either of those would really work even if technically it was mechanically possible. So those are my thoughts on the topic. There may be some other you know, brief mentions of ideas like this somewhere in the text that I'm forgetting that would apply here. But like I said, there's really just not a whole lot. So this is kind of the only thing I could put together on this topic. Hope that at least sparks some ideas and gives some information for those who are interested. So until the next Thursday, Tolkien Thoughts, I'm the Tolkien Geek, and I'll see you on the next one. Namarie. Thanks to all my channel supporters, especially Elf Friends PA Brew News. Nathan Dufour, and Paul Leone.